We're going to be looking at verses 46 through 52. It's the story of a man, a blind man, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And if you are just recently joining us here at River of Life, we have been in Mark for the past several months over Christmas and for the new year. Uh, We took a short break from our series, but we have been going systematically through the book of Mark. Mark is an account of Jesus' life and ministry and teaching. And as we pick up this morning in Mark chapter 10, we are, are nearing the climax of this book. Jesus has invited disciples to follow him. He has been teaching them at what it looks like to... Uh, literally, to be a disciple. Disciple is simply a learner. And so Jesus has been uh, walking alongside of 12 men. We pick up and literally we're on the journey with them. These 12 men and Jesus are leaving the city of Jericho. And we are approaching in the book the time where Jesus has already uh, prophesied, where he's already shared with his disciples three times that he will be crucified and that he will die and that he will be turned over to the, uh, to the authorities, and that he will rise again. We're literally on the cusp of big, that story unfolding. Jesus is soon going to enter Jerusalem, and this is the last story that Mark gives us right before Jesus is going to have this triumphal entry. If you just look down in your Bible, uh, in Mark chapter 11. This begins Jesus' last week of his life. So read with me. Beginning in verse 46, the story of Bartimaeus. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, Be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the very word of God to you this morning. Let's pray. God, open our eyes to understand your word, to know its truth, to apply it to our hearts, and by your grace, to be changed by it. pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Before we begin our study in the word this morning, I want to pause and reflect for a few moments. And I want each of you to do some some personal soul-searching. I want you to think of what your greatest area of brokenness is right now. What is 
the singular area where you feel the most broken or hurt. Where you don't feel whole. I want each of you to sit there and just take a minute to process. It might not come immediately. That hurt could be something maybe that you've struggled with your whole life. Maybe it's one of these life-defining issues. A hurt from the past that you have been uh, healed from, but in a sense, it still defines your story. Maybe that hurt is, is something literally just in the circumstances right now where kind of the bottom is falling out of your world or something very un- you're going through something very uncomfortable. Maybe for you, you're thinking, actually, right now, things are pretty good. And that might be the case. There's times where we feel like, and emphasis on feel like, our world is kind of okay. But we also know that there are some aspects. We have, every single one of us has patterns in our life that we know are hurtful or unhealthy. I want each of you to sit and, and to grab on to that thing in your life that has been hurtful, that has been a hindrance to your growth, or that currently is stealing your peace and joy, before we move forward. And if you have that in mind, the question I want to ask you right now is, what are you doing with that What are you doing with those pieces? What are you doing with the broken pieces of your life or the broken pieces of a situation? Those things that remind you that you're not whole, those things that might hurt you, devastate you, or seem to define you, what are you doing with those pieces? And now that you're processing that, let's move to the story of Bartimaeus. The title of our sermon this morning is The Blessedness of Blindness. How our greatest hurts can lead to our greatest healing. The story of Bartimaeus is the story of a blind beggar. A beggar who, uh, quite interestingly enough, uh, were given his name. Many of the miracles that we see in uh, the New Testament, we do actually don't get to know the first, uh, the first name of this person. In this situation, we are. We specifically know who Jesus healed. In fact, we're told even his father's name. We have this sense in that uh, this, uh, this story, this healing of a man, a beggar, who sat outside probably in the same place every day of his life begging because he is blind. And in the story of this blind beggar, we meet a man who comes face to face with Jesus, and as a result, his life is transformed, completely changed. The hurt that once defined him, and I do mean hurt, you think, well, he he was just blind. I can't begin to imagine the life that blind Bartimaeus had, sitting there begging for his daily food. 
thinking to himself many, many times, I wonder what I would do if I wasn't born blind. I wonder what kind of life I would have. I wonder if I would have a family. I wonder if I would be doing something and sitting right here, right now, known to everybody simply as the blind beggar of Jericho. But the story that we just read, we see that blind Bartimaeus, he moves from being blind to receiving sight. We see that he moves from brokenness to experiencing wholeness and healing. And the question that we want to ask is, why was Bartimaeus' meeting with Jesus so life-transforming? Surely there was many other people who were blind or hurting or broken in Jericho. Why this story? Mark picks one story, gives us a specific story about a man who came face to face with Jesus and his life was chained, changed. So here is what I want to put in front of you this morning as we study. That this case, this story of Bartimaeus, is a story about how we can move from hurt to healing. And the argument that I want to specifically put for you is put forward right in the title. I want to make a case that there is blessedness and blindness. There's blessedness in your hurt. And it's because that the blindness that Bartimaeus is experiencing or the brokenness that I invited you to think about in your own life, it leads us to two responses to Jesus that bring about our healing. So this morning we'll take a look at three aspects of this story. Verses 46 to 48, we'll look at Bartimaeus' cry for mercy. In verses 49 to 50, we'll look at uh, that Jesus hears Bartimaeus' cry. In verses 51 to 52, we'll look at how Bartimaeus is invited to put his faith in Jesus. So let's begin with verses 46 to 48. And in these verses, we see Bartimaeus' cry for mercy. Notice, when Jesus walks by, Bartimaeus begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And just uh, interestingly enough, notice the crowd's response to Bartimaeus. They begin to uh, rebuke him. They begin to tell him, be quiet. And Bartimaeus cries out all the louder, son of David, have mercy on me. So let's talk about this word, mercy. What does this mean, and why is it important? To show mercy is to show compassion on a person in unhappy circumstances, or specifically, the Bible often uses mercy to extend help for the consequences of sin. So mercy is to show compassion on a person in unhappy circumstances circumstances. The, the biblical picture that we often see is that literally that somebody comes alongside of you and shares the burden. That somebody comes alongside of you and walks in that hurt with you. That somebody, instead of simply say, uh, sharing kind words, literally gets down with you, gets underneath that burden with you, and walks alongside of it with you. And the reason it's, it's important 
that Bartimaeus cries out for mercy is because it shows us two very important things that are taking place, two reasons uh, of the importance of mercy in Bartimaeus' life. And the first is this. Bartimaeus' cry for mercy shows a heart attitude that recognized his need for help. Let me give you an illustration that might help us grasp on to what asking for mercy is not. I am a father, and in parenting, but I think also in life. So you are, you are in this room, you have been a child, or you are parenting children. And in, in those two experiences, all of us can relate to one thing that has taken place over and over again in your life. So, your child, or you as a child, at some point, asked for help. And immediately as someone tried to help you, whether it was with a toy, or whether it was with your homework, or whether it was to help you, they took it back, and they wanted to do that themselves. Have you ever had this happen? Have you ever done this? It's human nature. We kind of get to the end of ourselves, and then we ask for help. But in our heart, we really don't want help. We want a, someone to come alongside and maybe just show us the next step so we can do it ourselves. How many times have, has, has that either come out of your own mouth or the mouth of your children? Maybe for those of you who are older and don't have children, yeah, maybe it's very long ago, but here's what I can promise you. you, you this was a regular pattern of your life. It might seem very far in the distance. But this is who we are as humans. We enjoy being independent and doing things for ourselves. And by the way, there's a lot that's really good about that. But there are certain times when we just truly need help. When they created Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the first things that they said was, and this is still a foundational principle, the first step towards recovery is what? Does anybody know? Admitting you need help. Admitting you have a problem. Without going there, you don't get anywhere else. That's step one. When we see Bartimaeus cry out for mercy, Bartimaeus is showing a heart that is not, not like this child or not like us because we have all been there. There's been a point where we have asked for help immediately as somebody tries to help and what kicks in? Our desire to want to do things ourselves, or our desire to want to be independent, or our pride that doesn't want to receive help. Have you ever tried to? Uh, I'll give you a uh, here's an interesting little story, a little side note. Um, I, I saw somebody on the street a few months ago, uh, walking back to my apartment after I had dropped off the kids, getting ready to go back to my warm apartment with coffee and with food, and I thought that's tragic if I can walk by knowing I have the needs to meet somebody. It just would be a little bit of time on my schedule. Went back, made a little gift thing, put it, uh, everything in proper containers that I could give away, brought it back in, tried to give to the person. They looked at me and just said, no, they didn't want any help. I don't know all the reasons, but I, one, one thing I can say is 
Not everybody who needs help wants help. I didn't have a conversation as to why they didn't want help. And I don't know the heart or what was going on. But what I I can say just from that illustration, I, I can't say anything about the person. What I can say is this. Not everybody who needs help, they certainly needed help, wants help. Or maybe she wanted a different kind of help. So the first thing, the first reason Bartimaeus asking for mercy is important is it showed something about his heart. That he had reached the point where he was desiring mercy. Have you gotten there? Have you gotten to the point where you were willing to receive help from from somebody else? Kind of at the end of yourself? Where, okay, I've tried this. I've asked for help and I really didn't mean it the first couple times. But now I'm, I'm at the end. I honestly don't know what else to do. And Bartimaeus cries for mercy. He cries for someone to have compassion on his circumstances. The second thing, or the second reason of why it's important that Bartimaeus cries out for help is because it reveals something about his... uh, it, It reveals that he knew something about God's character. That's probably the best way to say it. It shows a heart that recognized something about God's character. In fact, Alex actually just read an amazing verse about mercy in Psalm 116. I'll read you Psalm 86.15. It says this, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 145, 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Bartimaeus' cry for mercy revealed he understood something about God's character. Who is God? God is a God who longs to show mercy. And so the first part of Bartimaeus' story, what almost seems like an a, uh, insignificant fact that he cried out for mercy, actually reveals quite a lot. A cry for mercy shows a heart posture that is ready to receive help. And it's recognizing that help can't come from me. I can't help myself. The second thing it does is it shows Bartimaeus was counting on Jesus to show mercy. Let's look at verses 49 to 50. Jesus hears Bartimaeus' cry. In verse 49 it says, by the way, this is one of the things I would love to see in real life because it says there's a great crowd. It says that Jesus is leaving the city of, of Jericho and the account tells us that in his tracks as Jesus is walking suddenly stops. If you can try to imagine the scene... When, when we begin to learn about Jesus, we begin to learn about the size of the crowds that follow Jesus. One of the main reasons he could no longer minister in the cities, but was most often ministering in the, the areas that were deserted or the desert areas, was because the crowds who came to him were massive. And I can't even begin to imagine all of the people who may have been calling out Jesus' name. I can't begin to imagine the push of the crowd as Jesus, I don't think they had major highways like we do, leaving Jericho. I think it would have been pretty tight quarters. And it's not like there's, there's all kinds of ways to get out of Jericho like we have in the city of Frankfurt. There's 
probably one major road in, and Jesus and his disciples, and how many people, it says a great crowd, are walking. In the midst of Jesus walking, he's obviously walked by blind Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is crying out. Jesus walks by. And suddenly Jesus stops in his tracks. And he turns around and he says, call him. Call him. Who? How many people do you think are calling Jesus' name? I can't put a number on it. Dozens at least. Pretty sure there's hundreds of people in the crowds. When we come in here this morning and we just hear the conversations, right? You hear voices all over. Can you imagine the, the, the noise, the din of a crowd around Jesus? It, it's, it's so hard to even hear your own conversation with somebody. Have you had that happen? You're trying to talk to somebody, but your mind's also processing. There's my kid. I can hear them. There's another person. That's actually sounding interesting. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you're all kinds of things going on. Jesus is, is on a mission walking out of Jericho, and he stops in his tracks. He says, call him. Who? The man who cried for mercy. In that crowd of all the people who had needs for Jesus to meet, do you not think other people were calling Jesus? Other people had needs they wanted met? What stops Jesus in his tracks? A cry for mercy. The crowd tells Bartimaeus, hey, take heart. And here's the crowd was just telling them, in a sense, shut up. Now they're saying, get up. The crowd is fickle, by the way. Listen, and this is truth. Take this with you. The crowd is fickle. One minute they're telling you to run from Jesus. The next minute they're trying to get you to get up and run to him. Don't follow the crowds. That's a separate sermon. But I think an apt point. So Jesus said, they say, get up, he's calling you. He throws off his cloak, and it says he sprang and he ran to Jesus. What I want you to see here is simply that Jesus stops when he heard a cry for mercy. And I think this is a biblical principle we can count on, that the Bible so clearly teaches, that God's ears are attuned to our cry for mercy. And when you cry for mercy, God stops and God hears. If Jesus heard the cry of Bartimaeus as he's fleeing or as as he's walking out of Jericho amidst the crowd, one thing you also need to know is that God hears your cries for mercy. He stops. He's looking for those who will cry out to him in mercy. In fact, Psalm 148, 18 and 19 says this, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he also hears their cries and saves them. When God hears your cry for mercy, not just your cry for help, what was different? Like I said, how many people were asking Jesus for help? Or had Jesus, I want, I want, I want, I want. What stopped Jesus in his tracks? A genuine cry for mercy. What is mercy asking for? 
It's not asking for what you deserve. It's asking for compassion, for someone to come down into your circumstances and to walk alongside of you, recognizing that I can't help myself. And therein is a difference between, I would, like I said, a, a request for help, which often, sim- do, do you not pray like this? Do you not have something go on in your life and you pray, and it is something you're praying about, but literally how you're approaching it is you do it in your own strength, you do it in your own wisdom, you want your own time frame, and you want it now. That's a want. It's not a cry for mercy. That's a cry for God to do what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. And you're not depending on God's answer. You're trying to do it in your own strength. Because we would rather not depend on God. It's quite convenient to take care of our own needs. Let's move to verses 51 and 52. And in verses 51 and 52, we see Bartimaeus is invited to put his faith in Jesus. In verse 51, it says, And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. So let's just stop there because I find this fascinating. Do you realize what just happened? Jesus asks a blind man who would have not been able to make his way to Jesus without help, who has been crying out for mercy, that now is standing face to face, Jesus asks him the most obvious question somebody could ask. What do you want me to do for you? Have you thought about why would Jesus ask a question like this? Because Jesus already knows. In fact, wouldn't anybody know what this man wants Jesus to do for him? And maybe it's not so obvious When Jesus asks a question like this, like I said, it's certainly not because he didn't know Bartimaeus was blind. But again and again in the Gospel of Mark and in many stories, we're told that in verse 52, you notice that Mark highlights and tells a story for this one very specific reason. Jesus says, Go, your faith has made you well. What does Jesus continue to look for over and over and over again from those who have heard his teaching and seen his miracles? Faith. That they would look to Jesus and trust in Jesus. So when Bartimaeus comes face to face with Jesus, having cried out for mercy, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for him? Jesus is very clearly asking Bartimaeus to make public his personal faith in Jesus. He's asking Bartimaeus to publicly trust him. Have you ever had something that you personally believe? Think about this. I'm sure you've been in this situation. It could be with friends or it could be at work. You have your own private convictions about something. 
But as your colleagues or your friends are talking, you can very clearly see that they are on the opposite side of the fence. And they're, they're getting pretty heated about this and pretty passionate about this. And then they look to you, assuming that you agree with them. They say, well, what do you think? Have you had that happen in your life? Okay. And you are sitting there thinking, I don't believe that at all. And I don't care what it's about. But what happens next is very telling. Because you will either own your conviction or your belief, or you'll crumble. And you will go along with someone else's conviction and belief. Why? Because at that point in time, you're not sure, I'm, I'm so convinced of this that I am willing to pay the price for voicing what I believe. I'm not sure I believe this enough. Or I'm not sure, no, this is just work. This is silly. I, 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 honestly, I'm, my mind's a lot of other things. But let's say it's not just about work. Let's say it's about something much more important because what Jesus invites Bartimaeus to do is to voice in public that he thinks that Jesus can heal him. And what Jesus is more specifically doing is inviting him to profess faith in Jesus' power to heal. That's why the obvious question, you think, why such an obvious question? Doesn't Jesus know? Well, there must be something more to the story because Jesus did know. And it was, it was painfully obvious to everybody who knew blind Bartimaeus, the, same, the blind guy who's been sitting by the, the, the road of Jericho for his whole life. And so Jesus is going to stop and say, what do you want me to do? And what he wants is to move Bartimaeus to publicly profess what he believes inwardly. One of the things that all of us need to take note of is that a private belief in Jesus that we maintain just to ourselves versus a public confession where we identify with him as a follower, once Bartimaeus publicly identified his faith in Jesus, there is no going back. You have said what you believed, and now the crowds know what you believe. And there's only two ways to go. Either your hope is put to shame, or your hope is proven that it is built on a firm foundation. What's going to happen to blind Bartimaeus? Well, the end of the story in verse 52 makes it quite clear. In verse 52, it says, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And so we see that Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, is going to walk away. If you want to combine words, you can. It makes things a lot simpler. Uh, you, You say more by saying less. Blind Bartimaeus is going to walk away healed. And I need you to catch something in verse 52 that maybe you didn't catch the first time. And maybe this entire time that you've been thinking that when I was talking about your healing, you've been thinking about Bartimaeus' healing from his sight. But the scriptures make very clear when Jesus says, go your way, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. You have chosen well, Bartimaeus. You trusted me to be able to heal you from your lack of physical sight. Did you see how the story ends? It says immediately he covered his sight, and what happens? 
He followed him on the way. There's a double healing that you can't miss. Bartimaeus is given physical sight, but his physical sight, his uh, Jesus' healing of his physical need only leads to his spiritual eyes being opened. And where does Bartimaeus go? Jesus doesn't say, hey, Bartimaeus, get in the back of the line and follow me with everybody else. Jesus says, go your way. Where does Bartimaeus go? He follows Jesus. He follows Jesus. The reason we have this story from Mark is because Jesus is constantly looking for those who would place his faith in him. And what does Mark 10.52 say? Go your way, your faith has made you well. And then we see that Bartimaeus goes on his way and his, he's following Jesus. There's a double healing here. Let's circle all the way back around. We began, I invited you to think about where is the hurt in your life right now? Where is the brokenness? Let's go back there. You're there? You have what you were thinking or processing? And I want to revisit the argument that I said I wanted to make. And I wanted to put forward an argument this morning that there's blessedness in Bartimaeus' blindness. There's blessedness in hurt and brokenness. And I told you because it produces two responses to Jesus that otherwise wouldn't happen. Here's those two responses. Bartimaeus' blindness led to him calling out for mercy. And what do we know about God? That all who call out for mercy are heard. There is no one There is no one who calls out for mercy who is not heard by God. What did Jesus do in the story? He stopped. What did those passages from Psalms let you know? That God is a loving and kind and merciful God, and he invites us to call out for him. By the way, Alex and I didn't plan that. That, uh, He read Psalm 116. What an amazing verse about what? Calling out to God in his mercy. The second response to Jesus that Bartimaeus' blindness caused was a genuine faith. Bartimaeus genuinely desired to believe that Jesus could heal. Why? Because he was blind. He desperately wanted to believe that Jesus had the power to heal him. How many people do you know who, because they are whole, have no reason and no desire in any way, shape, or form to trust in God or to place their faith in Jesus? Why? Why? Because they have all their needs met. And in thinking because I am not blind, I don't need mercy, and I don't need faith, and I don't need God. They go through life with perfect vision, and they go through life with the use of their arms and legs. They go through life with the blessings that we think life are about, and eternally, they're separated from God. And so I believe there's a beauty in Bartimaeus' blindness because without Bartimaeus' blindness, he wouldn't have called for mercy and he wouldn't have practiced true faith for healing. And that true faith for his sight leads to actual true faith in Christ. And you can't separate those two things. So here is my conclusion for you. We've been studying the story of blind Bartimaeus. 
And I've asked you to think about where is the hurt in your life? Where is the brokenness? So let's apply it to you. How does this story fit? How do you respond? How is this practical for your life today? Well, you have hurt and brokenness. And your brokenness, just like Bartimaeus, it points you to only one person. Because there's no way that you will be able to heal or help yourself. And there's no way that you will ever have the power to provide not only uh, a, a, a way out of your brokenness, but to save yourself. I'm not talking about your blindness. I'm talking about the spiritual blindness that Bartimaeus is saved from. So here's your plan to move from brokenness. We have a little one who is experiencing some brokenness right now, and they will get healing, I promise you. There's going to be parents, and there are helpers to take care of this. But Jesus' story with blind Bartimaeus is a model for us of how we can move from our brokenness and our hurt to healing. And so with you and your brokenness or healing, or or your brokenness or hurt, cry out to God for mercy. Why? Biblical principle, because you know he, he hears. Secondly, Jesus stands in front of you just like blind Bartimaeus. He says, what do you want me to do for you? That's his question. What do you want me to do for you? And by the way, filling in that blank isn't how you want Jesus to bless you. Filling in that blank is telling Jesus about your brokenness and how you need him to heal you. And when you do that and you give your hurt to Jesus, here is the promise that we have in scriptures. You will be healed. You'll be healed. Now, I want to do one thing before we end because my fear is that you might reject this message we say because all of us are not healed like Bartimaeus. So I want to end with this question. Does God heal everyone? Because in our own minds you think, but yes, that worked for Bartimaeus. But will it work for me? Does God heal everyone? Here's the very simple answer. Yes. Yes. God heals everyone who cries out for mercy and places their faith in him. Now your mind's beginning to work, and, and you're thinking, yes, but, right? You're, all, you're thinking, yes, but. Okay, so let's unpack this. There's three ways in which God heals. The first is, God sometimes heals miraculously. Sometimes heals. Is it within God's power? Absolutely. Can God heal the blind? Absolutely. Can God give those who are lame the legs to walk? Absolutely. God sometimes heals miraculously. In fact, this story is a perfect example. God always heals through faith in Jesus. What does that mean? If our standard is that God somehow performs a miracle... Jesus could have healed Bartimaeus. He could have received sight. But if Bartimaeus goes 
with sight into hell, it was actually of no true purpose that Bartimaeus was made whole. To, re- to receive physical miraculous healing and yet for God not to actually heal our souls means that we, are, we receive healing for the temporary, but for eternity we're lost. So why is it much more important that God always heals through Jesus? Well, God will give you grace and mercy right where you're at, first of all, for the forgiveness of your sins, but also in the situation that you're in. Let's take, for example, if you have experienced abuse, if we have seen uh, in, in your family somebody who has been traumatized by something as significant or serious as rape, male or female, if you've experienced brokenness be, beyond what you can even describe, in fact, you've never even told somebody the extent of the brokenness, Jesus can actually heal there. Jesus can give you the power to forgive because he forgives you. God's grace and mercy can begin to make whole the broken pieces that you have. And so, yes, God sometimes heals miraculously. God will will sometimes heal physical things miraculously. But God always heals through Jesus Christ. God brings you into relationship with him. God forgives your sins. And then God begins to work with his grace and mercy to make you whole from what you have experienced. Thirdly, God will one day restore and heal all things. God is moving all things toward the time where he will make a new heavens and new earth. And you have the promise that whatever my brokenness is right now, or maybe whatever physical issues that I know uh, God has, uh, in his wisdom, chosen not to heal miraculously, that God will finally and fully heal all things. This is the promise of Revelation uh, uh, 21, 3 and 4, where it says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be their guide. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There will be no mourning, no crying, no pain. The former things have passed away. So let it be written. So let it be done. It is sealed in Jesus Christ. God will one day heal all things. And God has currently healed all that you've brought to him. The forgiveness that you need, the forgiveness that you need to show to others. God's grace and mercy can heal now. And God sometimes heals miraculously. Why is that a sometime? Because the miraculous physical healing does not always lead to faith. And God knows that. And so God in his wisdom chooses not always to heal in this way. Let me close with this illustration. Have you ever heard of kintsugi? It's called the golden repair. This is a Japanese art, kintsugi, And Kintsugi takes broken pottery, and instead of throwing it away, it takes like a glue or a lacquer mixed with gold, and it repairs them so that you could see the lines, embracing not just the brokenness, but how broken things can be made whole. And what Kintsugi celebrates is that It's the whole story of brokenness and repair. 
We kind of live in a world where we love everything being whole, right? I break a plate from Ikea, it's in the trash. I break a cup from Ikea, it's in the trash. Some of you get good at this. Like, I can break all kinds of things. We get a whole new set. We don't really like having a cabinet full of broken things that we've repaired. But here's what God does. This idea of kintsugi is fascinating because embracing the brokenness and how it can be made whole is actually what God does. God chooses, when, when you will give him, when you cry out for mercy and you bring your broken pieces to God, what God does is God will bring the broken pieces and he will put them back together. And he will allow the broken lines to be clearly seen and his lines of mercy and grace on your life that make you whole, that point to something like, that's just not pottery, that's just not whole, that's not something anyone has just done. Something different has been done. In the golden repair of Kintsugi, they take lacquer and gold dust or platinum and they fix the plate. In God's work, he takes the gospel. It is the gospel repair. And he takes his grace and he takes his mercy and he heals your life and he displays you like this, not whole, so that everybody can see how perfect you are. God takes his grace and his mercy and he shows you in your brokenness, highlighting his grace and mercy. That's why God doesn't always heal miraculously because his grace and mercy is a greater good than the fact that someone feels as if I am whole. You only will be made whole in the gospel. And this is the invitation that Jesus has for you today. Take your brokenness, cry out for mercy. Take your brokenness, trust in Jesus' healing power. But not just for sight. For spiritual eyes to see and to follow him. Let's pray. God, we embrace the stories that you give us in scripture because we know that your word is the word that leads to life. This morning we rejoice in the story of a man who was broken by his blindness, Bartimaeus, and how in your grace you walked by and you stopped and you showed mercy and you healed his sight, but more than healing, he began to follow you. I pray for all of those who are wrestling with hurt or brokenness in their own lives this morning. Would we, like Bartimaeus, stop and cry out for mercy and trying to fix things ourselves? Would we trust that you stop and you hear us and that you have the power to heal? God, we pray for your grace and your mercy to shine brightly in our lives, being a, a, a work of art that we're proud to display. Not us in our wholeness, but us in our brokenness, healed by the gospel, healed by Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.